Feel like you've got a lot on your plate, or maybe you've got so much going on it couldn't possibly fit on just one plate. You've got a lot of plates, fully loaded, spinning at full speed. Well, you're not alone, and you've come to the right place. I'm Liz Cerati. Welcome to Seven Plates Spinning, a podcast serving up ideas and inspiration for keeping all those plates in the air. We've been talking a lot on recent episodes about mental and emotional health. Today, we're talking about our physical health, our bodies, and we're talking specifically about how our bodies change as we age. Most women don't hit menopause until their early 50s, but did you know that you can start to experience symptoms of perimenopause years before that? I didn't because no one ever seems to talk about perimenopause. So today, we're talking about it. I'm joined by Dr. Samantha Duflo, who has a pelvic physical therapy practice in Maryland called Indigo Physiotherapy, with a specialty in women's pelvic health. And Dr. Sam is going to demystify some of the confusing, maybe embarrassing changes you could be experiencing with your own body. So Dr. Sam, thanks for joining me. Let's start by just talking for a minute about what perimenopause is. I first read an article about about perimenopause and like women's health or something last year. And I was like, what the heck is that? Like no one even talks about this. This has got to be like one of the most untalked about major health changes out there. I agree with you. You can't see me, but I'm smiling and nodding my head (laughs) because I get this similar sentiment from many people that I talk to or walk through our doors. I feel like we talk as a society and in medicine a lot about people that are having babies and then people that are going through menopause. And there's kind of this looming gap in between. But there are a lot of changes that happen during that time frame. And during a lot of those changes, there's a lot of preventative health and things that women can do to make menopause, which is coming later, an easier transition for them. So how how would you define perimenopause? Because I think it's fair to think some people may have never even heard that word. So menopause is when there's ceasing of estrogen. Perimenopause is kind of where we're encroaching and beginning that process. And so when you talk about pelvic health, what are we covering here? Pelvic health to me means basically everything from the belly button to your knees. Pelvic health is... There's a lot going on in there. There is a lot going on in there. (laughs) It's bowel control, bladder control, and the ability to have sex and a healthy sexual relationship with yourself or a partner, uh, menstruation. There's a lot going on in there. And so people obviously can have pelvic health issues at any point in their life. And it's not just women, it could be men, but like, is there a certain age bracket? Like, do you see an uptick in women coming to you for help in this kind of like mid thirties to mid? 50s range? Is that a common time to have issues? It is a common time. In the mid-30s, a lot of women are having children later in life, especially working Mm -hmm. women. And so there's an uptick in people that are having babies. And then as their hormones change after that, they they come and see us. But particularly in their 40s and 50s, I I joke a lot about how after college move-in weekend, we get an uptick in calls because people are suddenly having various symptoms in their pelvic floor that can be contributed from heavy lifting, such as pelvic organ prolapse, um, due to a weakness in their pelvic floor muscles. And that really starts early 40s where people are saying like, things are changing and I don't understand why. And they come to us to get some help with 
some increasing incontinence, pelvic organ prolapse, or changes with sex. So there's a lot to unpack there. Let's start with the heavy lifting and the prolapse. I'm not doing dorm move in with anybody now, but I do. I mean, so if you're out like doing yard work or whatever. Or lifting a heavy bag of dog food. I mean, yeah. Okay. So what could happen to me now? What's going to happen? How am I going to (laughs) know? It's not to scare anyone away from lifting. (laughs) The pelvic floor muscles are three different layers of muscles that are of in basin of your core canister. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about your core and core strengthening, it's not just your abdominals, your pelvic floor, and then your diaphragm, which controls your lung inhalation and exhalation. Those are all part of your core. So if you squeeze your core really hard, like a water balloon, and there's no support at the bottom, that pressure all goes south. So a pelvic organ prolapse means that for some reason, either there was a lot of pushing or straining, what can happen with pelvic organ prolapse is that either your bladder, your uterus, or your rectum can kind of slide down a little bit. What people will feel or report feeling is that suddenly they are seeing extra tissue bulging near the vaginal opening. That That does not sound good. It really scares people. Yeah, Um, I don't mean to laugh about it. I mean, I'm like, I'm just thinking if that happened to me, I would be terrified. So a lot of what people will feel is a heaviness or almost like a tampon falling out, this like Mm -hmm. awkward feeling of heaviness there. And so our first recommendation is that you visit your GYN so they can do a full assessment. But traditionally, we would say, you know, 30 years ago, the treatment for this was doing a lot of sling procedures or even a hysterectomy for some people, depending upon the level of prolapse. Mm -hmm. Now we're saying, go get out there, be a pelvic PT, strengthen your pelvic floor muscles to prevent the need for those things. So if someone comes to you with that issue, are there things that you can coach people that they can be doing? So the first thing? The first thing we want to do to prevent pelvic organ prolapse is to make sure that you're constantly breathing and not holding your breath when you're lifting something. Mm. That puts a lot of pressure down on the pelvic floor. So what you want to do is exhale as you're lifting. The second way is you want to do pelvic floor strengthening. This used to be called Kegels. We now call it pelvic floor contractions. Learning the correct way to engage your pelvic floor to support those organs is really important. I would assume just like exercising regularly and strength training is beneficial. The, The strength training that focuses on your core, your glutes, and your hips, kind of all of those things that wrap around your pelvis, are really critical for helping your pelvic floor. They're friends and neighbors. They work together. So getting those strong can help your pelvic floor be stronger. We were chatting earlier and you mentioned something about the the 80s exercise queens that I loved. Like Suzanne <laughs> Summers and Jane Fonda are my personal heroes <laughs> uh, for I many love. reasons. <laughs> Jane Fonda and Suzanne Summers had it right back in the 80s with all of the Thighmaster and the workout videos because doing a lot of that, we call it abduction or adduction and like mm-hmm. glute work, doing a lot of that movement for your outer butt and your thighs and your hips, there's a lot of overflow there in muscle activity. And so it can help your pelvic floor muscles. 
to everyone at home who's like, damn, I threw out my thigh master like 10 years ago. There's going to be like a resurgence. Like, do they still sell them? I don't even know. I love yeah. a good Nerf ball or squeeze ball or Pilates ring is, ah. a great, is a great thing to put between your knees and kind of mimic those movements. Mm-hmm. Again, everything in moderation. We don't want people going home and doing like 3,000 leg presses, but working those muscles has a lot of overflow and helping your pelvic organ strength or pelvic floor strength. So there are other symptoms other than pain or prolapse that women can experience. Talk through some of the other things that people might be experiencing and not really know what to attribute it to. Usually one of the first things that people will notice is that they're having a change in their menstrual cycle. That warrants a conversation with their GYN so that they can kind of start tracking what that looks like. And your GYN will have particular recommendations for you whether you're on hormonal birth control or you would like to take hormonal, we call it hormone replacement therapy. Mm -hmm. That is out of my scope of practice, but the GOINs will talk to you about that. However, with that, what happens when you start to lose estrogen from your body? Liz, I kind of think about it like a rainforest, right? So a rainforest is nice and leafy and green and lush and moist and warm. And when you take away estrogen, we approach winter. And so estrogen is what keeps the tissues that line your vulvovaginal area and inside of your vaginal canal and those pelvic floor muscles. It's what keeps them lush and working and having good blood flow to those areas and well lubricated. So people will say that they start feeling more dry Sex starts to feel more uncomfortable. They're noticing those tissues are getting thinner. And with that comes with some more thinning of tissues experiencing incontinence. So you're saying my young body is the rainforest and my old body is the desert. (laughs) Well, there's a lot of ways to prevent desert. And there's a lot of beauty in the desert too. Okay. So, so, but what we want to do is stress that like, Activity, exercise, motion, masturbation, sex, all of these things help to increase blood flow. They help to increase the good stuff going to your pelvis and it helps to keep that strong. All right. So let's talk about sexual health. I have heard friends who are in their 50s and 60s talk about changes in their sex drive when they've gone through menopause or are going through menopause. Mm-hmm. But I've never heard anyone talk about it with younger women. You're saying anytime from like your mid 30s on, you can start to experience some impacts to your sexual health because of approaching menopause. Correct. And so what might that look like for people and what are some of the things that they can do to alleviate whatever the symptoms are? So one of the symptoms of a weak pelvic floor is that you feel like your climax or your orgasm is weakening. Like if you used to be on like the the adult roller coaster, now it kind of feels like the kiddie coaster. And so, so that's something that we work on with people. A lot of that, not all of it, but a lot of it can be from pelvic floor weakness because your pelvic floor muscles have to involuntarily contract and engage with your nervous system when you climax or have an orgasm. And then if you're not getting that good feed forward response of kind of a positive sexual activity, or if you're having any pain with that, that can change people's response or desire to have sex. One of the things that I really like to educate people on is using a lubricant. And 
there's a big stigma um, in some generations about using lubricant that it means that you're not as well aroused or equipped for sex. And that's that's just not true. Self-lubrication is based on your hydration levels, your hormones, your arousal. But finding a good lubricant that works for you is really important. And there are different kinds. There's water-based lubricants. There's oil-based lubricants, which cannot be used with condoms because they break them down. Mm -hmm. They're silicone-based, which you can't use with toys. So most of my clients usually choose a nice water-based paraben and glycerin-free lubricant. And there's tons of different options out there. But what we want is something that instead of taking water and stealing water from your body in this chemical process to make that lubricant allow for glide and slide, you want something that's similar to what the body looks like. So things like slippery stuff or sustain or liquid organics. And there's like a thousand more. I don't want to leave anybody out, but there's a lot of really great lubricants out there now that are better fit, are really low chemical that can help people experience sex pain-free or with decreased discomfort, especially as that dryness can happen during perimenopause. I feel like buying a lubricant is one of those things that a lot of women would be embarrassed to walk up to like Amazon. the counter at CVS. Okay, so mm-hmm. you can buy this online. You do yeah. not have to walk into a store and Target, buy it. <laughs> Target has, um, like I know Sustain is, is on Target right now. There are a lot of different kinds of online shops that are more geared towards the modern woman. Like even Anthropology is, sh- is selling hmm. sex toy products now. Interesting. <laughs> it is interesting. It's, it's kind of this new market of self-care. And so you can buy most of this stuff online. Yeah. And that's, that's one layer I feel like of discomfort. And then there's like talking to your partner. That is getting into the therapeutic realm and mental health is out of my scope of practice, but there's a lot of patient education that goes in there. And that's kind of talking about, well, if, if sex is uncomfortable for me and I can use lubricant and it's more comfortable, I'm more likely to have sex more often and enjoy sex when I do have it. And I find that most partners are very supportive of that. And a lot of people can explore this whole new realm of their sexuality as they're experiencing pain-free sex or more frequent sex. It feels like when you're younger, you're kind of still figuring your sexual life out. Like mm-hmm. now we should be in our prime. Yes. We've got it figured out. And now, and you know and now our bodies so are changing. Well. Yeah. But now our bodies are starting to fight against us. So it's like, damn, we can't win. So, but you're saying you're a, just I mean, there's a lot of winning as far as sex in yeah. your 50s and 60s. You just have to feel comfortable, 40s. I guess, just mm-hmm. kind of like owning where you are with things and and talking to your partner and being open about it. And unwrapping, you know, years of kind of this normalization of society that women weren't supposed to necessarily have as much pleasure. It's very much this thing that like people come to me and they say, well, you know, sex has been painful like always. And we have to denormalize that. And lubricant is not the only answer. It is only one part of the puzzle, but having a good, safe, low chemical or chemical-free lubricant is really important part of that. Stocking stuffers for all my girlfriends. Right? (laughs) 
<laughs> lubricants, squatty potties, you know, getting everyone to poop and pee normally. Oh, wait. Okay. So let's go back to the squatty potty. So okay. another thing that you work with women on is constipation and then incontinence, right? Bowel and bladder. Bowel, bowel and yep. bladder incontinence. So, so another topic people probably don't want to talk with anyone about. So tell us what's going on with women's bodies and what can we be doing? So your pelvic floor controls how your rectum, where stool comes out, your bladder, and then your uterus. And so it controls all of those things. It controls the sphincters and the support. A lot of people will start to experience incontinence or bowel incontinence or flatulence. Some people will even say like when their tissues on the outside, like their labia starts to feel like it's a little bit thinner or they have a little bit more gaping at the entrance. That's Mm -hmm. when I'll get people in because they're like moving through a yoga pose and they hear this like farting noise. That's really embarrassing, even Mm -hmm. though they're not actually passing gas. A lot of those things can be a result of your pelvic floor muscles just not working in the way that we want them to work. A lot of times it's weakness. So pelvic floor weakness can lead to urinary incontinence, bowel incontinence, fecal incontinence, we call it. Um, Mm -hmm. But there's also a lot of room there to say that a lot of these issues can also be caused by muscles that are too tight. Do not take this as a recommendation to go home and do a thousand pelvic floor contractions or kegels every day because that's not the right answer for everybody. Mm-hmm. But yeah, constipation. Uh, we in the US have really high toilets and that is not the optimal position to have a bowel movement. There's an angle there that your rectum and the pelvic floor muscles work together. And when you're straining to have a bowel movement or you're pushing or bearing down and you're getting those little like rabbit pellet poops, that's often because your pelvic floor muscles aren't actually opening and allowing for that stool to pass through that opening correctly. Now, So it's the height factors. of the toilet contributes to that? Yes, ma'am. It's much more challenging to have a bowel movement in that position. You talk about exploring your body. What do you mean by that? Like what should, what should we be doing? So you can't tell anybody else what feels good to you or what feels bad to you or what feels wrong, whether it's your sexual partner or your doctor, unless you really know your own body. Mm-hmm. So grab a hand mirror and check yourself out and kind of where's your baseline? What do you, what do you look like now? What do you feel like now? And how does that change over time? When you know yourself like that or know your anatomy or kind of what your cycle is, you can get a bigger picture of your health. And so once you've determined, you know what, I think I have some issue that I I actually do want some help. I actually want to see a pelvic physical therapist. What might be a, some of the reasons why, you know, it's actually time to come see someone like you. And then when someone does, what are the, some of the things that you can do that someone can't do for themselves at home? Anytime that you're experiencing something like incontinence. So this big joke that like you have a baby and everyone wears a panty liner for the next 10 years, let's all go home and, and make jumping safe again. Like any, any <laughs> leaking going for with, a run. I have friends yeah. who run who are like, I can't, after I had kids, I can't go for a run anymore without. No, yeah. no, yeah. that's not, that's, that's really doesn't common, have to be that. But it's not normal. No. So it's just weakness. It's just like, Liz, if I said to you, I had a baby and I can't hold a cup of coffee anymore. My hand's too weak. So I just like don't drink coffee. Hmm. And it sounds like a silly comparison, but these muscles are weak. And if we strengthen them, you don't have to live like that anymore. Incontinence is a big one for me, especially since as you lose estrogen, your muscle strength and your ability to build new muscles ultimately declines as you age. So Mm -hmm. to prevent 
older aging issues like more severe incontinence, strengthening in your 40s, 50s, 60s can really help to prevent a lot of that. Any issues with like significant constipation, trouble passing bowel movements, any pain with any kind of exam or sexual penetration, or just inability to do the kind of exercise that you want to comfortably. And you will take people through exercises to help with the strengthening. All sorts of things. So sometimes when muscles are too tight, we need to do different techniques to help lengthen or release or relax those muscles Mm -hmm. because pelvic pain can be caused by a whole bunch of different things. But working with core strength, hip strength, exercises, pelvic floor physical therapy is a lot more than just kegels. A lot of it is just like this. It's There's a lot of education there because yeah, yeah. people just haven't, you know, we haven't been taught the really the right way to poop or what kinds of lube to use or things like that. Yeah, I mean, the last time we had any education about our bodies was like in sex ed class. Yeah. (laughs) Puberty. Like before. I mean, that's a whole other conversation. You're on your own after that. A lot of that stuff's been debunked and there's, there's a lot more research out there now that is Mm -hmm. specific around like women's health and pelvic health that there's a lot of new research in the past 10 or 15 years and new standards of like what's socially acceptable and what people can explore. When we get people in the practice you know, strengthening your orgasm. Like, what are your goals? Like, what do you want to be able to do? Mm -hmm. You know, a big one as you approach menopause is people are like, I'm starting to wake up a lot in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom. Okay, like, let's fix that. You don't have to, you don't have to suffer get all these, yeah. On your own, which is what women do, I think, generally. I mean, you think about- Quiet sufferers. Yes, we don't don't let anyone know. So um, are there books or references that you like to recommend to people if someone's like, I need to learn more? Uh, There are two books that I really like for this. There's The Wonder Down Under and Come As You Are, C-O-M-E, As You Are. Those are kind of my favorite go-tos for people that want to learn about their vulvovaginal area and their vaginal health. It's kind of like the, what your mom never told you about this (laughs) kind of kind of topics. Um, but it really gives you an idea so that you can know when things, if or when things, something doesn't feel right or goes wrong, you kind of know more about that. Definitely. All right. Well, thank you for thank you, Liz. It's shedding some light on these things that I, I am positive that there are going to be so many people listening to this who are like, oh my God, <sighs> for one reason or another. Like- I firmly believe that a pelvic PT is somebody that everyone should see even if it's just as a preventative, just like one time in their life, because it's so educational, it's so informing, and it's a huge part of our body that we should all be in connection with. Well, I'm adding it to my list of resolutions for 2021, I am convinced. And if you want to connect with Dr. Sam or learn more about Indigo Physiotherapy, you can find her on Instagram at at Indigo Physio or check out her website, indigophysio.com. That's all for today's episode. I'm going to take a little time off with my family over the holidays, but I'll talk to you again in the new year. Happy holidays, everyone. If you enjoyed today's episode, please visit sevenplatespinning.com and subscribe to continue listening. And consider leaving a rating or a review on whatever platform you access the podcast. I so appreciate your support. Thanks for listening. 